You're listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH, Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR, Hood River on 91.9 FM. KBOO's end of year campaign is happening right now. We invite you to donate and become a member today. We have the full spectrum of ways to join. Go to kboo.fm give or by texting KBOO to the number 44321. You can also mail a check to the station at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland. Cut through the clouds and make it rain to help us meet our $75,000 goal by December 31st. Do you love music but don't have the energy to find new stuff? Can't decide whether you want to hear indie rock or hip-hop, electronic music or singer-songwriters? Then tune into Another Late Night every first Saturday at 3 a.m., only on KBOO Community Radio, or stream online at kboo.fm slash another late night, where we've got it all. Hello, I'm your host, Donald Altman, and welcome to Pathways, where you're invited to join us for a visit with leaders in personal and cultural transformation. Wouldn't it be nice if we could all know what tomorrow would bring? And many people use a lot of different ways to try to maybe ease their anxiety about the future. One of those paths is tarot. And to help explore the subject of tarot is Simon Kenny. He's an author, technologist, and educator whose work combines probing questions with technical thinking. He began writing at university where he graduated the top of his class and continued to blog about technology and philosophy. Simon has also been a lecturer at the University of Limerick, Ireland, uh, when not writing as a software developer, writing code that is. He devotes himself to better understanding the contemporary world. And as a writer on the topics of spirituality and belief, he brings a keen awareness of philosophy and contemporary politics to his experience of spiritual and religious life. Simon's based in Galway, Ireland, where he uh, writes among the limestone and heather. Well, that sounds so uh, kind of romantic and lush. (laughs) Well, Simon, it's a pleasure to have you uh, with us on the show today. Welcome to the Pathways Show. Thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to be here. I thought maybe you could just share a little bit, uh, maybe a thumbnail of what your book's about, because it's not your typical book on tarot, uh, which often are, you know, how you can use the tarot and how you, how you might use it to analyze if you're a reader or if you're doing it for yourself. But your book takes a very different approach. And uh, maybe you could explain that briefly for us. Absolutely. So the book, um, A Critical Introduction to Tarot, is more of a philosophical approach to tarot, uh, looking at the nature of belief and wondering what the philosophical basis for the worldview or the many worldviews that support uh, tarot belief are. It's not a how-to book. It doesn't contain a uh, catalog of the meanings of the cards, although the symbolism is discussed. Uh, and it's more interested in uh, the various uh 
offshoots in our culture that relate to tarot, such as uh, witchcraft, magical practices, as well as its philosophical basis, as I mentioned, uh, in contemporary politics, um, its links to Christianity, and some of the um, dim view that, uh, that Christians take of it, that's dealt with a little bit. Uh, as well as questions of uh, epistemology and statistics, like how we can know anything, uh, looked at through the lens of how could we know or confirm if uh, tarot predictions work, as well as uh, a little bit of the history on tarot cards, where they came from, and uh, some of the um, a, a, a summary of the literature on tarot. It's essentially a, a literature re review. Well, you did a, tre a tremendous amount of research here, I have to say, looking at this, and it's kind of like you trace some of the progression of of, of uh, human uh, thought and understanding and meaning and how we have developed and bring things forward from the past. And, you know, I'm curious after reading this, because I, I don't know if I saw you mention that in the book, but I, I know you mentioned your uh, Christian what evangelical background but have you experienced tarot personally and what got you interested particularly in tarot yes so I, I don't center myself prominently in the book although there's some anecdotes but how i came to tarot uh, myself was through um, well first of all when i was growing up it was a taboo object something that we weren't allowed to to use in my christian so it was, upbringing. It was taboo huh Yes, I mean, it, now I have to say it didn't feature prominently. There wasn't, you know, big um, wars in the household over tarot, but it was just sort of vaguely in the category of forbidden objects that would be associated with the occult and new age. Uh, there are, you know, there, there's a big lump of, or, or a big uh, category of uh, new age items that uh, certainly in evangelical uh, Christianity that it, are designated as evil really that, that that are thought to come from the devil and uh, so they're not appropriate for Christians to have so that was the context in which I would have known it growing up of course not knowing really anything about them and um, whenever I uh, grew older I uh, left uh, the Christian faith and uh, I became a scientific materialist I suppose is probably the best quickest way to say it uh, and I wouldn't have had a lot of time for um, uh, the kinds of uh, beliefs in tarot for a different reason than, you know, uh, because I didn't think that there was anything to it, that the future can't be predicted and that we use uh, our, our, our minds are so desperate for meaning and pattern that they can read it in anything, tarot cards or whatever else. But then... I was buying a present for a friend of mine and I decided to buy my, and it was a tarot deck, and I decided to buy one for myself just because I liked the look of uh, of it and I thought, you know, it was an interesting uh, thing. Uh, and I thought I would, you know, I finally take the time to maybe just try to understand what it is. Uh, and by this time, I had softened my more hardline um, rationalist materialist stance um, that I'm sure is uh, relatable to many people. Uh, that that kind of um, scientific mindset, let's say. For yeah. Um, well, you mentioned in your book too, rational or logical versus um, intuitive. I, uh, you know, I have had an experience with tarot, a very positive one, 
and utilizing it, and maybe it's because the person who was doing the reading for me uh, led me to use it as an intuitive and creative tool. So it wasn't uh, rigid at all. And it allowed me to make maybe new associations. And uh, I found it to be a very fascinating and uh, useful in that way um, process. What would you yes. say about using it, uh, you know, as an imaginative, because uh, uh, human beings are uniquely imaginative, aren't we? And this taps into that. Could you talk about symbolism and imagination and, and how that plays into tarot? Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, the tarot itself is a work, is a symbolic work or, or a work of symbols. Uh, the uh, the symbols used on it are uh, largely from Christian origin, but um, it depends on what deck is being used. The, the, the older decks, let's say from 100 years and before, contain uh, sort of Renaissance symbolism. So that would be from both uh, Christian tradition as well as uh, older Greek and other ideas um so uh but in terms of the you know the intuitive side of things it's certainly of the of the tools of divination um it's it's an interesting one because i mean i'd be tempted to say that it's almost unique in it in 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 the category because it does contain all these pictures they're they're very evocative that you know some people claim or, or some tarot readers would say that the reason why the tarot in particular is so um popular and and the reason why many people are drawn to it is because the arc that the symbolism is archetypical and in some way speaks to everybody you know that that kind of universal uh notion now now that isn't uh what everyone agrees with but the the the, the it's certainly very broad the the, the symbolism it does come from from many traditions, but the situations that are shown and the the kinds of symbols are uh, are, are very wide reaching. So I'm not surprised to hear that you had a you know a positive experience uh, in in that regard. And uh, as a narrative tool, you know you know people have used it to create stories with. And I suppose what is our own understanding of our our lives except a story of some kind as well. Oh, very true. And, and as far as the archetypes go, um, could you tell us a little bit about, I know you mentioned Jung in your book, could you tell us a little bit about uh, the role that Jung played in, in maybe uh, changing some attitudes we have toward tarot? Yes. So Jung wasn't specifically um, very interested in tarot, it seems, uh, but his work was very influential on uh Tarot and in, in the Western magical and mystical tradition in general since his time. So he would have been uh, opposed to a completely rational view of human psychology. And I, I believe he was opposed to the experimental psychologists of the time, uh, which would have, and so he was more of a romantic um, in the sense, the capital R romantic. Um, and he would have, uh, you know, he would, in his work on the subconscious, I mean, you should be telling me about this, I, I think, from, from your background, but it, from his work on the uh, subconscious, the, um, you know, he didn't think that we were completely rational beings. I, I think for most people, this is pretty obvious. And that, that 
by looking at, uh, by examining the products of the unconscious, we could get to know ourselves better. And that was his individuation. So for one way of, of using tarot is to give the subconscious or the unconscious a mode of expression to um, to have a conversation. Jung thought that the language of the unconscious was symbolic. And so uh, the symbols in the tarot, uh, you know, better help speak with one's own unconscious, I suppose. Um, and of course, his, but he, he went even further than that, not just the personal unconscious, but he thought that uh, everybody's uh, personal unconscious is connected in some greater um, collective unconscious. And that's where we step from, I suppose, psychiatry into more mystical um, uh, interpretation. And uh, it's what uh, many tarot readers use to suggest that that is maybe how uh, the predictive aspect of tarot can work, the fortune-telling aspect that in this collective unconscious, it's it's a mysterious realm. It's where uh, the 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 uncanny premonitions, perhaps in dreams, come from, or the for for people with more intense mystical experiences, like Young had, where uh, where even figures and and full full separate personalities can appear to be within oneself. And yet, not feel at all like it's it, that, that they're separate in some very meaningful sense. Uh, so, yeah, Jung is very heavily referenced in the tarot literature for this and, and uh, other reasons. And you also bring up uh, quantum uh, physics, which I thought yes. was really interesting uh, because the idea with quantum theory, of course, is the possibility is not limited, right? And the subject object are connected. Um, how, how does a quantum theory play into tarot, even as um, you know how somebody might interpret it or how somebody might use it? It's more in the explanatory area rather than any um, intentional part of a practice. I would say it's more in the how people might want to justify. Uh, the use mm -hmm. of tarot or, or how it might work let's say the mechanism the in reality of how it might work because you know the tarot reader is presented with a problem whenever they try to explain it which is that all they are is pieces of card and all you know any sensible tarot reader will will acknowledge that and so it's 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 difficult then to well how do they predict the future what is how, how is this working so um, what quantum uh, mechanics has done is it's give, it's undermined the uh, Newtonian causal structure, um, at least on the microscopic or very 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 small level. Uh, it's uh, so it's it, it's it's enough area of doubt um, that 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 we have a kind of a gap um, to, that that we could explore for possible uh, for possible explanations, but in how it. Um, and, and ex exactly as you said, it uh, questions the subject-object relationship because uh, the, in the the observer effect, as it's called, where uh, by just by observing a result, um, it appears to to change, but in a way that there's no physical connection. There's some quantum now that is physical, but but no obvious, let's say, uh, macroscopic physical connection. 
people in the magical and uh, mystical uh, practices of today uh, tend to link that with Jung's idea of synchronicity, which he called an a-causal linking principle, I I believe. you know that there was you know he he really thought it was a causal though that there was no that there was no shared cause that they co-arised or, or they co-arose together um but it's uh the the view that then takes quantum mechanics and applies it to mysticism we can call quantum mysticism and mm-hmm. uh deepak chopra is uh one of the originators of that uh that 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 uh, work, I suppose. Yeah, are you, I don't know if you're aware of the Institute of Noetic Sciences here uh, in the U.S. They've done a lot of research on uh, psi, different uh, psi abilities, psychic different phenomena and whatnot, and anomalies, yes. and uh, very interesting. Do you know of any studies with the tarot where it was uh, looked at? to see if any of the predictive abilities, you know, were outside of typical, what would be considered, you know, significantly different from chance. I don't. And when I read about that kind of research, it mostly focused on um, telepathy and, uh, you know, that kind of very more like mediumship and and psychic abilities rather than through a practice like tarot. Um, I wondered if it was because it was a narrower use case you know you might say like it's quite difficult to uh to, to it's quite difficult to test a tarot reading because they are so interpretive mm-hmm. and you know it's one of the things that gives uh opponents some ammunition because they can say well we can interpret it anyway and you'll always have a way to make it work yeah as Opponents well, you might spoke say that, with but... a lot of uh, tarot uh, experts and different uh, authors, and yes. uh, you talked about some of your uh, conversations with them. How I'm wondering how many people thought of how many of those folks actually thought of tarot as being more predictive. Somehow um, it tapped into something that was indicative of the future. Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh... The, the more serious tarot scholars were less interested in prediction of the future, mm. although they did believe that it worked. I didn't meet a tarot practitioner that didn't think that you couldn't predict the future with it, but many were disinterested in the that. And uh, in particular, I could say maybe Benabel Wen, who, who wrote the Holistic Tarot, a really wonderful um, reference book for tarot that, that covers really a lot of different uh, information. It's a huge book. And she has many other uh, very interesting books. She calls her approach analytic uh, tarot, that it's not predictive. And she explicitly says that that's uh, that's an unhelpful way to use it, although it can be used that way. And uh, that it plays into uh, what you said at the top of of the show, actually, about the kind of fears of the future and our kind of uh, desperate need to try to control things mm-hmm. and that the, the better way to uh, to use it is, a, is it a, as an analysis tool and, and her work kind of outlines what that means. Um, so, yeah, it's not something that is uh, universally, uh, it's not the only way to use tarot and uh, certainly, um, so, so that would 
be a, a, an area of or, or a, a, a practice in terror that that does potentially use a, a, it as a predictive tool but then there are people who focus exclusively on a psychological benefit like i had mentioned earlier on that it's a way to have a conversation with with yourself in the same way that one might do in therapy where there's things that you know that you don't know that you know and that sounds contradictory but how that can work is that we have wisdom that is not uh, immediately available to the conscious mind and that we need methods to actually access that and some people think tarot is one of those methods yeah that's very very nicely uh um, explained i like that um you know and and as a i've been a psychotherapist and sometimes i would go into someone's office and they would say to me oh tell me what i need to do here they would want an answer (laughs) And I would say, well, it's not my job to tell you what to do, right? But uh, maybe to shine my light in some areas where you haven't thought of looking. And if I tell you what to do and it doesn't work out, who are you going to blame, <laughs> right? <laughs> Me. Or if it does work out, it wasn't really coming from you. It came from someone uh, external to you. Um, I wonder how important uh, agency is, you know, the idea of, of using tarot more as a guide uh, but having somebody still have uh, their own personal sense of agency that they're making their decisions. Yes. I, I mean, I think as, as you know, as a psychologist, it's an incredibly important component and everyone experiences that they, that they have free will, you know, it's, it's fundamental to, to how we, uh, to how we experience our, our lives. So whether or not, it's an illusion or not we we do experience it um it, it's something that you know and that this is an area actually i would love to do uh more research in and i and i have uh, read more on this since writing the book but you know it strikes me that there is a bit of a difference in let's say the related practices of if we take tarot even as a fortune telling tool and then perhaps uh, astrology so astrology uh, proposes that there are these uh, many many layers and levels of um, of cycles and and motions that are, you know, that, that we can read in in the stars and the celestial bodies, among other areas. Once once you get into it, and that sort of suggests that there there are these great cycles that are immovable and and that they're way way beyond beyond our small lives. On, the, on a kind of a cosmic scale. And it doesn't really um, it n- seem to naturally emphasize that kind of agency. It, 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 instead, it, it emphasizes how we can work well within larger structures. Um, you know, and that's a valuable insight, I suppose, in, in itself, that we are in, not in control of everything. And there's that right. emphasis there. But I think the tarot emphasizes the other aspect, the aspects that we do have control of, the more um, closer to home, more mundane aspects, and yeah. not mutually exclusive. Uh, and, and yet there are patterns. And so, and, and I know in your book you say how, how tarot is kind of a, 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 a one method of understanding those patterns. And now, as you're saying, astro- uh, astrology is another approach that does that. I don't know if you've heard of um, Lyle Watson, who was a um, uh, was a scientist and a biologist, and he lived in, um, uh, he actually lived in Ireland for a while. And 
he wrote some incredible works based on his experiences as a biologist and his travels, extraordinary works. And um, he said some things about astrology that really surprised me. And for the first time, he had me thinking about it in some new ways, as you're talking about here. And and one of the things I, I thought is, was especially interesting was how you saw tarot as a um, kind of a, a meaning a meaning making yes. uh, tool. Talk about that because I thought that was really got to the kind of the core of of uh, your ideas in the book. I think so. I think you've picked up on it well. And, you know, throughout the many different ways that tarot is used, you know, as a divinatory tool, which can mean either communication with the gods or or knowledge of the future, um, as a psychological reflection tool, even as a, um, as a uh, way to write stories or create narrative works, that what seemed to me to you know and, and my my uh, my own views as a, as a materialist weren't significantly challenged by by it I, I i found that there was if i if i went to the first principles of philosophy you know in ontology and metaphysics i could see how one, with differing assumptions we we could make sense of a lot of of the phenomena that are claimed by tarot practitioners um but what i would wholeheartedly accept yes is that it's a, a meaning making device but I think it's because of that that those narrative structures, the imagery. All you need to do is to give it a go to really see this. If you do a simple three card spread, lay three cards out in front of you, it's very um, it's very quickly that that you see like a, a story emerge through them. So, and that three card spread, just so the audience understands that. Yes. Um, as those cards would be facing you, one is on the left, one is in the center, one is on the right. What does each of those positions um, indicate to tell a story, for example? Well, there are many different um, spreads, as they're called, which are the arrangements that the cards are put in yeah. on, on the table. And, uh, you know, there are really as many as there are tarot readers, I think. Uh, but there are some ones that are commonly used uh, and a typical three card spread might be the past, the present and the future. And so the places where the cards are put in that order are significant. There are, there are much more complex ones that involve right. you know, most of the deck. The Celtic cross would be a, a really a popular yeah. one that uses 10 cards. Um, and sometimes actually a card is taken out uh, with, you know, uh, you know, it is looked for in the pack and taken out as a significant a card, a signifier, let's say. So depending on the, the reading we might do, uh, you know, the question we're ask, asking or the area that we want to explore. But yes, as you said, um, those three cards uh, have a distinct meaning and whenever they come out, we'll interpret them based on that. So it gives a template for, for the reading and, uh, and, an, and an intention. So, you know, it, it says that that particular uh, spread might say, that we want to know about a particular question, but in these three time zones, you know. Yeah, no, that's 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 beautiful, and I think the idea of it as a method for making meaning and telling a story is important because we're kind of wired for that. <laughs> we're kind of wired for having a narrative. You know, Simon, I want to thank you. I would love to talk longer. There's a lot more we could explore, but we've uh, run out of time today. Uh, Let's be sure to tell our listeners about your website and uh, the website that I 
and just correct me if this is uh, wrong or anything, is simonkenny.co. That's S-I-M-O-N-K-E-N-N-Y dot C-O. That's right. That's where we can find out about your book and about your work. That's right. You can you can contact me through there or connect with my work. Uh, you can also uh, pre-order the book. It's on Amazon.com or Amazon.co.uk for any UK listeners you might have. Well, and also available in Barnes and Noble. Great, great. You know, for those who t- turned into the Pathway Show late, this is your host Donald Altman, author of the spiritual novel Travelers, recipient of two 2023 Next Generation Indie Book Awards. My Simply Mindful book series includes Simply Mindful Resilience, the Simply Mindful Coloring Book, and Simply Mindful, a seven-week course and personal handbook for mindful living. Information about my courses, books, and CDs can be found at mindfulpractices.com. In a second, I'll tell you how you can rewind and replay this interview whenever you want via the internet or as a free podcast. Today, we've been visiting with author Simon Kenny an expert in, really, I should say meaning, <laughs> in <laughs> in uh, getting to the core of how we have developed our capacity for meaning, and a leader in uh, spirituality. I want to say thank you to all our listeners for tuning into Pathways. And by the way, Simon, I really enjoyed uh, how your book brought in so many different kinds of ideas. But as I was saying, you can tune into Pathways, which is broadcast and streamed via KBOO-FM Sunday mornings at 8.30 USA Pacific Time. Podcasts of today's show, which you can listen to and forward to others, are available for free at divination.com. And that's spelled D-I-V-I nation.com, as well as via iTunes and other free podcast servers. This is Donald Altman, along with Pathways host Paul O'Brien, reminding you to tell your friends about Pathways Radio and Podcasts. Thanks again to Simon Kenny and to all of you listeners for tuning in and being a part of the Pathways Conversation. Why am I passionate about KBOO? Well, I am pretty certain that I am passionate about KBOO because um, I realize that it is a very effective platform that provides the community with an opportunity to express themselves. That's what it did to me when they brought me here back in 2014. I knew nothing about radio or KBOO, but I had experience recording before, um, so I was I was experienced in that sense. So it kind of came natural, but I it definitely has taught me just being a KBOO and volunteering for KBOO, um, creating content, uh, creating segments for Rosetta Native Radio. It gave me the opportunity to really express myself, my thoughts, my philosophies, my culture, and be confident about the way that you can express yourself. So that's what that's why I'm passionate about KBOO. Journey through lush songs and soundscapes. T 